Let's jump into uh, today's uh, message. In Ephesians chapter 4, I invite you to turn to that. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 24, and then next week I'll hit chapter 5. And then in my last sermon, I'm going to talk about a little bit of chapter 6, but mo- mostly coming back to the beginning of chapter 4. And I'm going to talk about the, what, are, what are the healthy marks of a church. I want to leave that with you. Um, what are the healthy marks of a church today? But today we're going to be looking at the, uh, a very significant passage that's been used and preached on many times by many pastors, and perhaps you've heard this one before. But before we get into that, if again, if you're new or newer and you haven't been with us but in, the, in this series, Ephesians is a, an incredible book. In fact, um, Ephesus was, as I shared, next to Rome, uh, one of the most influential cities in the world at that time in the first century. It reminded me, like several years ago, I went to London, and I remember uh, standing uh, on the bridge where Uncle Ben is, and I could just feel it, that I was in the center of one of the major cities in the world. And that's the very much like Ephesus was. Ephesus was, the, Ephesus was this bustling city of about 200,000 people, um, flourishing with education and arts and business, and also became the site of a brand new church that Paul, the Apostle Paul, planted. In fact, he spent three years there. Uh, more than any church plant that he was involved in. And this small cluster of Christians gathering together, it was a new day. It was a new day for them as they met together in people's homes and and worshiped together uh, as a church. And Paul writes this letter to encourage them, to encourage them that this new beginning that's happening, and he gives them guidance and he gives them wisdom on what a church is and what, especially their faith, this new Christian faith, this faith in the resurrected Christ and how to live that out and how they were going to live that out at home, in public, at work. This is all new to them. And it was a new day. And in verses 21 through 24, Paul needs to remind them of some things. And it reminds me of a time actually when uh, before, I think it was around November, I went to Macy's to get a, a new overcoat. And I had my old one on, but I wanted a different, different color, different texture. And I saw this overcoat. It was really nice. I wanted to prepare for the winter and went to the dressing room. And I was so focused on the color, the texture and everything that I put this overcoat, this winter overcoat, over my old one. And of course, that doesn't work. I had to take off the old to put on the new. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here in verses 21 through 24, that you have to take off the old, uh, the old way of living, the sinful habits that we fall back into before you can put on the new. Let me pray for us before we start. God, heaven, thank you so much for this morning. And God, uh, like a lot of us, we're reminded on just the, the suffering that's happening around the world and the fear. Uh, I pray for the countries that are being affected by the coronavirus, uh, China and Hong Kong. And God, I pray for a cure. I pray that they would find an antidote. And also, God, at the same time, something that we overlook, just the number of Americans that have uh, been dying uh, from flu, the flu and influenza this year. And God, I just pray for healing. And when it comes to times like this, Lord, that we look to you, you are sovereign, you rule, you reign. And I pray that uh, you would uh, move quickly in these situations. And God, I ask your blessing upon this sermon. That you anoint this, God, that you would bring power and you would bring um, uh, spiritual food for us here this morning. And God, that uh, it would be your words and not my words. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Let's read verses 21 through 24. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
By the way, I have a, I have a, a cough drop in my mouth. My, my throat is really dry this morning, so if, I'm, um, if it goes spitting out at one point towards Pat Gillespie, that's, why I, that's the reason. Since you've heard about Jesus, now I'm going to back up a little bit, because before this, he talks about in verses 17 and 18 about you know, their, their, mind, their, their, mind, their minds are, have been, have been messed, messed up in a sense. That the old way of living was their minds were full of darkness. And he mentions it a few times in verse 17 and 18. It just talks about those people who are not uh, Christ followers, their minds are filled with all this stuff, and that's something that you shouldn't be um, a part of. And he says that, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, and this is emphatic, throw off, or in, in, in some translations, put off. But it's emphatic. It's an exclamation point. You can put an exclamation point in your, your Bible. Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of living, of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, now he gets to the mind again. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. In verse 24, put on the new nature. So like for me, it was taking off that old overcoat and putting on the new overcoat, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now I want to pause for a moment before I get into those two main points of, of uh, putting off or throwing off and, and taking on or putting on. Before I get to that, there's a, there's a, a passage here, just a phrase that can really uh, go past our, um, our awareness. And it's verse 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Created to be like God? R- really? It says on your teaching note, really? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if, that you, that, if you caught that. You and I are created to be like God? Yeah, we are. When you're in Christ... There are certain things that you and I can do to actually participate in uh, what Peter calls the divine nature. Take a look at uh, verses, uh, or Second Peter chapter one, verse four. I have in your teaching notes. He says this: Through these, He has given us this very precious, very great and precious promises, so that through them, what you may participate in the divine, divine nature. And that's very similar to what Paul's saying: is that you and I, okay, we're not God, but you and I can actually participate in this divine realm. And I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the fact that when we come in Christ, we move from one dominion to another. And as a result, you and I aren't simply like, you know, people sitting down like spectators. You and I are involved, and we can ex- experience the fullness of God. Now the question is, how does that happen? How do you and I uh, become like God or perhaps uh, participate in the divine nature? And theology land, we call these the shared attributes or characteristics of God. They're called the communicable, nice, nice uh, word to say, 10 times fast, the communicable characteristics of God. And that's things that we share with God. Now, there's unshared attributes or characteristics of God, like uh, we're not all-powerful, we're not all-present, we're not all-knowing, despite what we think about ourselves. Uh, we can't do that. God, only God does. That's, that's unshared. But what we share with him are things like love and joy, creativity, uh, patience, justice. Those are things that we share with God. And when when you and I in Christ actually love people or are gracious towards people or do something towards injustice, like our DR team uh, going down and they they came back uh, yesterday and they came back and built homes for for those in need down in the DR in the mountains where it's very very much like um, impoverished Africa and built these homes and that there's something wrong when uh, families are living in these shacks and the rain just comes through the roofs and we had a number of people go down there to build homes for them and, and in a way bring justice and love and joy in their lives. And when we do that, 
we participate in the divine nature. That's how it happens. It also happens in what Paul is talking about here. Verse 22, let's take a look at that. He says, throw off your old sinful nature. And that's your filling the blank for number one, uh, is to throw off or take off your old self or nature. And what was happening is that the uh, Christians at Ephesus began to fall into the old way of life. And that was easy to happen in Ephesus because there were so many different religions, so many different idols, so many different cults, and they, they were actually falling back into that way of living. And that's why Paul is so emphatic. He's like, he's yelling at them out of care. Get away from there. Throw that off. And, throw, and, and he's really, really focusing on the mind, the, their, their thoughts, their decisions, their choices. Throw that stuff off. Don't live that way anymore. It's very, very um, uh, analogous to the Israelites when over and over the Israelites fall into worshiping idols and God's like, don't do that. Uh, stop that. I'm your God. Worship me. And in a simple, similar way, the Ephesian Christians are doing that. They're falling into the old way of living. And in your teaching notes, what does that involve to take off? Well, it's this. To take off or to throw off means it really gets into this area of salvation. You know, when you and I came to Christ, yes, we were converted, but there's a lot more. There's this beautiful spectrum around salvation and a number of, of details around that. One of the things that when you and I say yes to Jesus, this, uh, again, theological term called regeneration, I'd like you to write that down. Regeneration is very important because the Holy Spirit comes into our life and cleans up the dirt and the muck that we have in there from our former way of living. He makes us clean again. It's like he takes the vacuum and, and cleans up all that, that stuff in our life that's been around for a long time and helps us uh, change those habits too. And for, for us, it's, it's, it's just beautiful to, to realize that we have this gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, when we share the gospel with people, with people we need to include the Holy Spirit as part of, our, of what we share because it's just an, a, a beautiful gift. It reminds me of uh, this past uh, Christmas. I had a really good friend that bought me a um, gift card to Youngsteads, right over here by church. And they gave me this card, and it has detailing. You know, I, clean, I keep my car relatively clean. I, I use a vacuum and, or a shop vac or something like that. I've been to Paradise before. You know, in 15 minutes, they have like 20 people, you know, clean your car. And I get this gift, and I'm like, huh, thank you. Great. <laughs> I was like, uh, interior detail? Because I, I have no idea what that is. I'm, and I was you know, trying to feign as much happiness as I could about this gift card to Youngsteads. But I finally went there this past Thursday. It's unbelievable. By the way, I told them, this is after the fact, I told them I was going to mention them, this in my sermon. I, was, I already had planned it. He gave me 20 bucks off. I was thinking like those, you know, those NASCAR drivers, they have patches of, of, of sponsors. I was just thinking, if I go around the next couple of weeks, like Three Squares Restaurant, Original Pancake House, and say, hey, I'm going to mention you in my sermon. Maybe I'll get a deal or something. It was really nice. Anyways, anyways, I, I, get, I come to my car. They spend four hours on my car. And it's like, and some of you have done this. It was brand new. It's like a brand new car. I get in there, and my floor mats are like normal. They're, they're flat again. They're, you know, not all crusted up with salt and everything. 
And it was, I mean, it was so clean. I was tempted to sleep in my car Thursday night in the garage. It was just awesome. I could, I could eat a, a slice of roast beef off the seats. And, and very much, that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It does an interior uh, detailing in our lives. This cleans it out. Isn't that beautiful? But here's the thing. You know, I can go to Youngsteads, and that's great, but I have a role to play in this. You have a role to play in this as well, to keep your lives clean, to not go back to the former way of living. It's not simply that the Holy Spirit, like Youngsteads, is just going to do a one-shot thing, and that's it. No, I have a role to play. I have to make sure I keep my car clean. I have to vacuum it. I have to pick up the wrappers, the garbage that invariably comes into my car. If I just rely on Youngsteads, you know, that's a one-time shot. In the same way... That's, again, that's how we participate in the divine nature is when we join the Holy Spirit of taking off or throwing off those things uh, that happen in our lives. This is a continuous process. Paul's not writing this like this is a one-time shot. This is a continuous process for us. He says get rid of those habits, especially the ones in our minds. Because he talks about the mind so often in verses 17 through 24, as I mentioned before, but he's really focusing on the mind. In fact, he talks about these uh, uh, urges that we have. And a lot of these urges are not just our body, but actually it comes from our mind as well. In fact, he uses the word lust. Now, for many of us, we see lust and we see it in terms of a sexual connotation. He doesn't mean that at all. Lust has a very broad definition. It really, a better word would be urge or desire. And for you and I, what is it? What, is, what are the urges in us that bring us back? to the old way of living. What are those urges? And think about your mind, because it, it, like the Holy Spirit not only does the interior cleaning, but also in our minds as well to make us new again. And maybe you've fallen back, like me, I fall back at times, and it's like, I need to do a better job about this. I, I need to join the Holy Spirit in, in making me clean again. It begins with our mind, decisions, choices. And for the Ephesian Christians, what they were actually doing uh, because the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the world, was there, and it was a full, full of a number of cults, um, some of the Ephesian Christians were actually going in there, and not only to look at it, but actually they were getting involved in it. And Paul is, in fact, get out of there. Throw that off. He used to do that in the past. So I just want to pause for a moment. I want you to think about this. What are the old things? What are the old things in your life that you need to throw off or take off from your life, from your mind, from your body. All right. Let's jump into the next one. Some of you thought I was lost in my sermon, but I wasn't. Uh, Let's go to verse 24, because sometimes we just need to pause uh, longer than normal to really think about these questions. So, verse 24, Paul says, okay, after the throwing off, put on. And, and what's important about this is that when Paul talks about putting on, it's very important. You'll see this in, in Paul's writings because it doesn't work simply to stop something. My dad smoked cigarettes for 40 years, and when he had an aneurysm a number of years ago and he almost died, the doctor said, you got to change your diet, you need to stop smoking. And um, he came close to, like I said, dying, and, and he was very fortunate. He's still alive today. And my dad had to quit smoking. And, and some of you know this. It's hard to do a cold turkey. It's just to stop something. 
Um, and, and, and that's what Paul's talking about. It's hard to simply just stop sinning. That doesn't work. It's called sin management. Dallas Willard talks about in Divine Conspiracy. And my dad would use nicotine patches or nicotine gum. And slowly over time, he was able to really kick that habit. And what I love about Paul is that you used to do this, that stuff you do, but now put on this new nature. Do, do something else. You know, replace those habits. Because it doesn't work simply just to stop. Like, quit sinning. Okay? That lasts all of what, like, a minute. Or if it's sin management, it doesn't last very long. It's not effective. But what is effective is to replace something with something much more beautiful. And that's what we have in Christ, this new nature, where you and I have a possibility of living an entirely different life, where you and I are renewed by the attitudes of our minds. And that's what happens in this regeneration of life in Christ and what God does in our lives. But what does that really involve when we say to um, put on? Okay, take off, throw off, I get that. But what's, in, what's involved in terms of, of putting on? One of them is really not only the change in behavior, but really to open ourselves to what God wants to do to us. Because the truth is, is that genuine Christianity opens the mind. Is your mind open to what God has for you? I think too often people don't become Christians because they see Christianity as this sort of uh, the faith that, that's about closing your mind, not thinking anymore. I know people I've talked to who are non-Christians are like, Christianity is about not really closing your mind off and just following a bunch of lists of rules. No, it's not that at all. Not, not at all. It's about opening your mind. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. So that you and I can grasp the deeper and deeper truths of how to live in Christ. It's not a matter of uh, university degrees or pa- uh, paper qualifications or certifications that we have, helpful th- though they may be. It's a matter of the heart and mind being open more ever than before to what God wants to, to teach us and show us. And for you and I to, to really open our mind to allow Christ to rule and reign in our lives. Are you open to that? Throw off, put on. And I think there's so many examples in our lives where uh, this happens, but we need community, don't we? When we put on, we need people around us that are going to help us. We need people around us that are trusted friends. And I, and I mean this uh, sincerely. It needs, it needs to be trusted, close, safe people. And I have a few people like that around me. And they noticed, for example, that what I was uh, putting in my body wasn't good. I had gained weight to the point I had weight, most weight I ever had in my life. And a really good friend said, Craig, what's going on? I noticed you've gained uh, a lot of weight. Now, you have to have a safe person, a close friend who can say that to you. And this person is. And this person said, I noticed you're eating more and you're not eating good stuff. And I'm like, what's wrong with the Whopper? The Whopper is God's gift to mankind. No, just kidding. Um, and they were right. And that was just after New Year. So then I, I'm like, okay, um, it's time for a reset. So I went on, on a no-carb diet. I'm in my sixth week. And I weighed myself this morning, and I haven't seen those numbers since the Obama administration. That's like, what? I haven't seen those numbers in the longest time, and I'm exercising more. And, and it's like, no, you know, when I say no-carb, I'm not talking about like just flat, you know, I had pasta the other day for the first time in weeks, and it was just glorious. Uh, but then I went back to my diet and exercise and everything. And, and 
you know, we need people like that that are going to help us. And not only like, you know, um, food that we bring into our bodies too that can be harmful, but also other things. What are some of the other things that we're bringing into our mind? And we need to, to throw that off and actually replace it. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, I'm going through a book from John Eldridge. On, it's called Mountain Moving Prayer. And I want to improve my prayer life. And I've been journaling. And instead of, of other things in my head, now I'm filling my head with God's Word much more. I'm, me- I'm memorizing Scripture much more. And I want to put on, I want to bring in uh, healthy things in my life. In my life, And that helps me in terms of really participating in the divine nature. Next, what is involved to really put on this new nature, new self? I'm not going to get a shirt coated. It's giving all you are, are to God. Giving all you are to Christ. That's what C.S. Lewis writes. I love this. Christ says, this is from Mere Christianity. By the way, if you haven't read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, buy it. But take your time. His sentences tend to have a lot of substance to it. Lewis says this. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self. Now, what he means by that is the old self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the old or whole old nature or natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent as well as the ones you think are wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. This is an incredible quote. And for us to give all we have to Christ is frightening. It's not easy. Again, that's why we need community around us. It reminds me of a picture um, I saw um, some days ago. And it's a picture where this little girl is clutching onto her teddy bear. It reminds me of my, my daughter. She had this teddy bear for years. But this, this girl is, is clutching on this teddy bear, and it's an illustration, obviously. And there's Jesus saying, give me your teddy bear. And behind his back is this huge, beautiful, bigger teddy bear. And I think so often we clutch onto the things. We're like, no, I, I need this. I got to hold on to this. I've had this for years. I, I can't give this to, to Christ, even though he demands everything. And we have no idea what it's in store for us because when we give him everything, it is transformational. It's beautiful what Christ does. So there's the throwing off and there's the putting on. And for us, is to stop putting neg- negative, hurtful things into our body, negative, hurtful things into our minds, and instead putting on the, be- the beauty and the truth that Christ has for us. So I want to ask you the question, what new things, what new things do you need to fill your mind and body with? What other new habits you'll have to develop in order to do that? Let's pray. God in heaven, I pray for each and one, every one of us that we would take off, throw off emphatically uh, the old habits, the old stuff that we used to do. We fall back into it. And God, we know that you're merciful. We know you're gracious, that your love never changes uh, for us, that there's nothing that we could ever do to make you love us less. So help us not to look at it with shame or guilt, but actually 
to take off, to stop those things and replace it with something else. Something that's from you. Something that connects to your kingdom. Something that is something you called us to. Maybe it's love and maybe it's reaching out to those around us. Maybe it's forgiving people. And the list goes on. So God, I, I pray that we would think hard this week. What are those old things that we have to take off? And what are those new things that we need to put on? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.